Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Started this sermon series on revival, and it's going to go past... Um, you know, today, even though 21 prayers a day, we encourage you to take that book, do that devotion again, add it to what you're already doing. Now, next week is Valentine's Day. Um, man, it, next week is Valentine's Day. I'm just laying that out there. I know you already got something big planned, but just that one guy who doesn't. Next week is Valentine's Day and Sunday. Next Sunday is. And um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump out of this series for one sermon. I want to preach... Uh, a family marriage message I couldn't be more excited about next week. And so I, I want you to be here for that. Um, and then we'll be right back into it. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to preach on the second coming of Jesus, some things like that, as we still look at this revival. But we're not ending the sermon series today. We're trying to rekindle that fire of Jesus in our hearts. And today I want to preach on this. Holiness doesn't just happen, right? Holiness does not just happen. One of the hallmarks of revival is a move of holiness amongst God's people. And if you don't know what that word means, uh, a little bit later in the sermon, I'll, I'll describe it to you. Most of us have some concept. We just sang about the holiness of God over and over, and uh, we have some concept of holiness, but I'll explain it uh, a little bit in, in a moment. So just hang there in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll work our way there in a minute. My, my wife, unfortunately, not able to be here today. She's uh, there, but... Um, you know, uh, my wife was a germaphobe before being a germaphobe was cool, right? Like she, she's, she's been in this COVID world long before COVID came around. Like she's not upset at mask at all or gloves or, or Purell. Man, we, 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 we had Purell at home. When this thing hit, we, we had it. Lysol wipes, man. We, we literally, when she would travel with me, cause I used to fly on a plane all the time before COVID, when she would travel with me, uh, Lysol wipes were standard staple in the suitcase. Like, we just didn't have them recently. She's always been this way. As a matter of fact, we, we'd go to Roos Chris Steakhouse there in Chattanooga or somewhere, and somebody'd give us a gift card, and we'd go by there. And kid you not, my wife there at Roos Chris would always ask, she does every restaurant, she'd always ask for a plastic cup and plastic silverware at a restaurant. And I'm like, baby, you just got to chill. I don't think that picnic fork can cut a steak. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll pick it up my hands if I have to. I'm not going to use the fork. She's always been that way. It, it got its worst. The worst it got was a couple of years ago, before COVID, 2019, went on vacation in Florida. And she'd got online. And uh, we usually go to Panama City with the Redneck River area, you know, Panama City. And, and, and she had picked out the condo because that's kind of her thing. And she wants to talk to the owner, make sure it's clean, look at the reviews. She did all that, found a perfect condo, hundreds of five-star reviews. Like, she's excited about it. We're pumped. And we're all, Savannah and her family's going, Josh and Michaela, and we're headed down. And J Michaela gets there first about an hour before us. And she calls me on the phone and she said, where are y'all? said, about an hour away. She said, well, are you, are you with mom? I said, yep, I brought her with me on vacation. I thought I would. And, and, and so she said, well, I got to tell you something. She can't hear it. And I said, what is it? And she said, the condo is filthy. I said, oh. For us, that's like hearing China has invaded Florida. Like, that's bad news for us. Like, that's not going to go well. And, and, and I'm like, oh, no. I said, I said, what's wrong? And she's like, well, the floor's dirty, and there are actually dirty dishes in the dishwasher that have spaghetti in them in the bowl. And I'm like, oh, that is not going to go well at all. 
And I said, well, let me just put her on the phone. We're just going to have to deal with it. We're an hour away. It'll give her an hour to do what she wants to do. And so I, we put her on the phone. And sure enough, she calls the owner. She's like, hey, this is not going to work. Uh, you know, I got a new grandbaby. I'm not bringing my grandbaby down to live in filth. I want this thing clean. I want another. On and on it went. And, and my wife's super, super nice. If I want something done, I give her the phone. Except on this issue. Like, this is the one thing she might get bent out of sideways about. And, and, and so I'm like, she said, just give me the, you call the cleaners, but I want the name of the lady you're calling to clean. And so the company, it was a lady, I want to come, come to clean. And, and she's like, Sherry got the number and Sherry called the cleaning company. And Sherry, we met them out there and had them do all this stuff. It got, it looked, when it was all said and done, I was very happy. It looked very clean to me. Now remember, I'm the guy that goes in and licks a remote in a motel room just to get it over with, right? My immune system is better than your immune system, right? Because all you people trying to avoid germs, you're killing yourself trying to avoid germs. Germs are good for you, right? Germs are good for you. So I just go and lick the remote, get it over with, and then I just lay on top of the comforter or whatever while my wife is wipe, literally saw wiping down walls in a hotel room. And so, um, uh, so I, you know, I'm fine. So we go in the condo, the people clean, it does great, and, and it looks good. But in the meantime, before Sherry made a stop at Walmart, and get sheets, not for the bed, to go in and lay over all the furniture in the living room. Because those, you know, thin sheets, those germs come right through those sheets apparently. And, I, and by the way, we weren't going to take them home. We were burning them when it was over. We are throwing them away down there. They don't come to our house. And so, um, so it's about the second night of being in the condo. And my wife is sitting on the furniture with the sheet on it away from the couch. She's on the couch. And she's sitting on the very edge as far out as she can get. And she's sitting here like this before we're about to play a family game. And I, I just had it. I mean, I'd already, you know, licked the remote and all that stuff. And so I'm like, we just can't, we got seven more days of this. I six more days, I can't do this all week long. It's miserable. And, and so um, I said, hey, can I, in this, Bobby, this is a very true story. Everything I'm about to say is very, not a preacher story at all. It's absolutely 100% true. And, 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 and she's one that reminded me of it, as a matter of fact. And so, so I said, hey, I need to see you in the bedroom. So we go in the bedroom and I said, hey, this is our vacation too. And one or two things are going to have to happen because you're ruining vacation for us. Like this germaphobe thing is just really getting to me at some point. And I said, so one or two things are going to have to happen. One, I need you to go out there and just chill, fake it, do whatever you got to do. I just need, I need it to stop right now. I need it to stop. Or number two, you're going to have to help me pick out a vacation wife and I'm going to start taking applications right now. Like, you stay home and clean and Lysol all you want. I'm getting a vacation wife, so the rest of us have fun while we're down here. One or the other. One or the other. Home wife, vacation wife, whichever one you want. And she, she chilled out a little bit. She, she was a germaphobe before being a germaphobe was cool. Like, COVID's got nothing on her. But like, she's not the only one. If you go back and look, like, at history, you see Howard Hughes. By the way, you may not know this if you don't know much about Howard Hughes. A billionaire aviator, motion picture producer, business tycoon. I mean, billionaire Howard Hughes spent most of his life terrified of germs. When he died, he was laying naked in a darkened room in a bed in a hotel room. We rented out a whole floor, what he considered a germ-free zone. He even wore tissue boxes on his feet to protect them from the germs that were on the floor. And if you walked into his room and you were sick at all, anything, he would burn all of his clothing to get rid of the germs. He was an obsessive compulsive. We have a document from Howard Hughes where he left his staff instructions on how to wash a can of peaches before 
they fed him, and it involved washing the can, stripping the label, scrubbing it down again, uh, opening the can, not letting the can touch anything while you're wearing gloves, pouring it in the bowl, but it can't touch the bowl, and serving him the bowl. And they would have to come out when they served him food with napkins, draped paper towels all over their hands to serving the food. He was a germaphobe. And when he died, he had rarely taken a bath or brushed his teeth. In the years, not clipped his nails, he thought he was the only clean person out there. I had news for him. But anyway, not only him though, there was this guy, Nikolai Tesla, where we get Tesla cars today and all that, who revolutionized, a great inventor, 300 patents to his name. He is the guy who invented an AC current, which all of our modern electricity, all of our modern technology is based on AC current. And he was a typical mad scientist. He suffered from what we would call today obsessive compulsive disorder for things like he could not stand for people to wear jewelry. He loved the number three for some reason he hated round objects and would not touch his hair or anybody else's hair and he was terrified of pearls if a woman came into his presence wearing pearls he either had to leave her presence or make him uh, make her take them off because he was terrified of pearls pearls but he was some germaphobe he used 18 napkins while he ate dinner and he used 17 fresh towels a day because he was terrified of germs. And then finally, we have this germaphobe, President Trump, who is a self-described germaphobe. If you sneeze or cough, he makes you leave the room or jump out of Air Force One when he was president, one or the other. He doesn't like to shake hands. Uh, the staff said he rarely would shake somebody's hands. He never offered you his hand. He would only shake your hand if you offered him your hand and then immediately wash his hands afterward. The staff said that when anybody entered the room, the first thing he said to them was, would you like to wash your hands? He went through enormous amounts of Purell every day after every handshake, but I find this is funny. His bodyguard was required to carry, you'll see it here, a bottle of Purell with him at all times. And Donald would hold his hand under the table and have him squirt Purell in there. I don't know if he had a gun or not, but he had Purell with him at all times. At all times. My wife's hero there over the Purell. Well, all of these are extreme things that we'll go through to avoid contamination with germs in our physical body. Yet, the fact is we pay almost no attention whatsoever to the contamination of our souls or the contamination of our spirits. You would be far more concerned, you should be far more concerned with the dirt and the grime that contaminates your spirit, that contaminates your soul than what you are with the contamination of your body. Why? The spirit has eternal consequences. The spirit affects your walk with God. The spirit will keep you or help you having revival in your life. When the soul and the spirit are clean before God, we call that holiness if you look up holiness in the old testament and the new testament it always carries with it two ideas the idea of separation and sanctification what does that mean that we are separated from the things of the world sin and the like and we are separated to the things of God separated from the world separated to the things of God separation and sanctification the bible will call call them separated 
from things that are impure, separated to God's use and God's glory. Holiness is both those things. It's when I get away from the things of the world and I start, move closer to the things of God. And here's the truth. You cannot, we cannot have revival without holiness in our lives. And so Paul was trying to say it, never using the word holiness, but in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about holiness. So would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word and look at Ephesians chapter 4. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles, but Ephesians chapter 4, look in verse number 20. But this is not how you came to know Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Ephesians chapter 4. The, here's the great thing about the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is divided into two parts. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is laying the foundation for our ability to walk in Christ, right? So chapters 1 through 3 is Christ in us. Chapters 4 through 6 is Christ through us. Chapters 1 through 3 is the theology of the Christian life. 4 through 6 is the practicalness of the Christian life. Christ in us, Christ through us. And when we get to chapter 4, Paul is making the transition from Christ in us to Christ through us. That we, have, we are expected to live holy lives. We are enabled, that's important for, me to hear, for you to hear, enabled to live holy lives. And all that is happening right here in Ephesians 4, talking about holiness. So though Paul never uses the word, we are talking about holiness in these verses. So let me give you four things Paul is saying here. Follow along. Number one is this, you do know better. You do know better. Here's what Paul is saying. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. In verse 20, what Paul is doing is referencing what he's already told them, that the life they had before Christ, get this, their lifestyles left a lot to be desired. Uh, that, that before you met Jesus, you were a little messed up. Did you know that before you met Jesus? And, and here's what he said in verses 18 and 19. That he's talking about people, get this, that are in the world, the people that are not saved, but this was me and you before we met Jesus. Look, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So here's our lives. We're darkened, we're blind, we're hardened our heart, full of evil, full of all kinds of sin, and we wanted it more and more. That was us before Jesus. Like our lives were filled with sin, our hearts were hard, and though we were never getting satisfied, we wanted it more and more. Now, if you are away from Christ today, this is your life. This was the path you were on before Jesus. But the miraculous thing is, what happens is when you trust Jesus, when you put your faith in Christ... The Holy Spirit comes to live in your life and he immediately begins instructing you on the new way to live. And here's what Paul said. You are being taught by him and you're learning the truth and that's why you ought to lose the desire for the old life because you know better on this side. Now look, I love my Bible. To the, uh, again, read it. Read it every day, read through it every two years. Like I love, not sooner, but I love this Bible. And, but some people think, well, I've got to know all the Bible before I can live a holy life. Not true. Here's what Paul was trying to say. 
you know better already. How is that? How's that, Paul? Because God has given you the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit is that still small voice that goes, mm-mm, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Or he's that still small voice that says, mm-hmm, that's what you ought to be doing right there. You say, well, I don't have a, I don't, you say, preacher, I don't know if this is wrong or not. I don't have a Bible verse. Listen to me. You don't need a Bible verse for everything that's wrong. You know why? The mere fact you're looking for a Bible verse tell me, tells me the Holy Spirit's already spoken to your heart. The Holy Spirit lives within us and you say, well, preacher, I don't know if I ought to be doing this or not, but I don't find a verse against it. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit is already there to teach you. He's already there to speak to your heart. He's already there. Listen, you know better in the Christian life because the Holy Spirit is there. You know what you're thinking. Well, preacher, if I know better, why don't I do better? Because it's not that we don't know. It's that we don't accept that Christ is the best way. So we have this crisis of faith in our lives where we know the old way, I'll talk about that in a minute, was not the right way, but then I have to make a faith decision. Do I trust Jesus enough to trust him with my own life? A lot of us are comfortable trusting him with our death, but we're not real comfortable trusting him with our life. And sometimes even when we know we have a hard time accepting. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever accidentally texted the wrong person the wrong message? Let me see your hand. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, 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 I literally, over the years, I've done pastoral counseling over this issue. I, I really have. I've had, I've had people like, hey, preacher, I need to talk to you for a minute. What happened? Well, I, I was texting a, a friend about a friend, and I called her a moron, but I actually called the moron the moron, and not the friend the moron. So the preacher guy, I don't know what to do, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know either. I don't know. I can't help you on this one. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, don't, I really don't know. Because I've done it, and not the moron thing, but I've done it, texted the wrong person, and been a little bit embarrassing, you know, on, on the other end. And, and so... You've done it, but sometimes, you know, you have a hard time convincing the person. Like, I have a text. It came through yesterday. I have a text on my phone. Second time the person has texted me, and, and they asked me something yesterday, basically like, hey, are we, are we meeting up tonight? And, and I just ignored it. I hadn't responded. But, you know, I thought if I, if I were any smarter, I would say, yeah, let's, let, let's watch the Super Bowl together, right? Come over at my house at 630, and I'll have food. You know, I should do that. I just, I can't. I, I'm not that kind of, I'm not mean like some of y'all are, but that, that would uh, be so fun. But not everybody can accept it, right, that you've got the wrong number. I found some of these people, like, here's one. You still selling the TV? Wrong number, buddy. $100. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, $150. You're playing hard to get. This is literally the wrong person. Stop wasting my time. Like, I, I don't, this, don't know what this guy doesn't get. He's got the wrong number in this one. I, lo I like this. Are we still on for tonight? If so, I'm going to try to set up a TV outside. Also, I, should I pre-order pizza or wait till you guys come over? Think you've got a wrong number, but I'm down for pizza. Like, right? Just give me a dress. Which number is wrong? Linda, I'm confused. I'm not Linda. So why are you wasting my time? Dude, I just told you the wrong number. And I love this one. This is Grandpa. Happy birthday. I love the little emoji to you, Emily. Love to you from Grandpa Jim. Sweet. This isn't Emily. I think you have the wrong number. So Grandpa doesn't give up. Your mom told me you played in the varsity game. Bravo. What? This is Grandpa Jim. 
I thought you died. <laughs> oh, poor Grandpa. Listen, they were told they just didn't believe. And that's what happens to us as Christians. We are told the truth. We know the truth. Listen, if the Word of God doesn't tell us, Paul said, you have the Holy Spirit of God. How do I live a holy life? You have the Holy Spirit. Get this. The Word of God, the law of God is written on our hearts. And being holy is not from a lack of knowledge. It's from a lack of listening to the Spirit of God. Here's what, here's, here's what God said in Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant I will make with them after after those days, the Lord says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on my minds. You do know better. I don't know what sin you're struggling with right now. The one you're trying to justify, the one you're trying to say, I don't have a Bible verse. But the truth is, the Spirit of God is already speaking to your heart. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You have the Holy Spirit and we are without excuse. Because you want to live a holy life, listen to me, you do know better. All you have to pray is, God, show me where I'm going wrong. You know what? If you're a believer, he will. Second thing Paul tells us about holiness is this. Number two, he, he reminds us that the old man is a mess. I mean a mess. He says, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Here's what you need to know about the old life. It was a disaster. Now, let, let me define some words there. That, nothing special there about these Greek words, but take off means to renounce or lay down. Literally, a picture of someone taking clothes off. And, and, and your old way of life. So that's your old conduct, your old behavior, the way you used to act. And so what about that old self? Well, it's been corrupted. It's the word ruin or spoiled there. The old life was a ruinous life. Why? Well, it was corrupted by deceitful desires. That is seducing appetite, seducing lust. So here's the problem we had. We've got to take, get rid of the old life. Why? The old life was a mess. It was just, it was ruined. It was spoiled. The old life before Jesus was the, a mess of the life. And here's the problem with the old life is it's all a mess, corrupted, and it's based on lies. The whole thing's a lie. And Paul said, you've got to get to the place you lay that down. Why is it a lie? Because the old life promised us one thing, but always delivered another. You, you remember that, don't you? It still does. I mean, the old man promises pleasure, but he always delivers pain. The old man promises fun, but always delivers failure. The old man promises freedom, but always delivers Change the old man promises happiness, but always delivers heartaches. Your old life was full of deceit, and here's the deal: we all bought into it. Every one of us did. Every one of us bought into it. But with Christ, here's what He said: lay the old life down. Because here's what Paul's trying to remind us: that the old life was a complete and utter disaster, and was the opposite of a successful life. And here's the point he's making is that the life in Jesus is the right life. The life in Jesus is the happy life. It's the fun life. But our enemy tells us something different. The old life was a mess. Why would you go back to the old life? Because every now and then as believers, we get lured by the enemy and say, well, we used to do that. It was so much fun. Well, it started off as fun. Do you know what the Bible says about sin? There's pleasure in sin for a little bit of time, a season, a minute, a moment, a fleeting. Right? I, I can't argue that with you. You say, oh, preacher, man, I used to have some fun when I was seeing. I'm not arguing with that. You did for a minute. But hold on. Finish out the memory. 
Because the end of that story is heartache and unhappiness. Paul said, I'm trying to remind you. So listen, every time you start lusting after your old life, the opposite of holiness, you become your own worst enemy. Devil's not having to mess with you. You're messing with yourself. The devil's not having to attack you. You are attacking you. Thomas Adridge was a Navy pilot. He flew a F-11 Tiger, which is one of the most advanced pieces of equipment the military owns. And just a little while ago, he, he took off out of New York and he was flying over the Atlantic Ocean and he was going to do a, a gun test over the Atlantic Ocean for the Navy. And so he had 20 millimeter cannons on the F-11 Tiger and he flew up, got up 20 miles out into the ocean, 30,000 feet in the air uh, and he, no, 20,000 feet in the air, excuse me. And he began to dive. And when he got down to 13,000 feet, he shot 70 rounds out of the 20 millimeter cannons a four second burst and as soon as he shot those 70 rounds he hit the afterburners and went into a steep dive got down to 7,000 feet 13,000 feet fired afterburner 7,000 feet and he emptied his cannons at 7,000 feet and was about to bank and turn to go back that's all he had to do that day when his his cockpit glass was struck by something and shattered. And he radioed in. He said, I've just hit a bird uh, up here. And he said, coming back to headquarters. And then as he was flying back to the base, he noticed that his right engine was giving out, could not get more than 78% capacity. And it kept getting lower and lower and lower. And long story short, when he could see the base, he got about a mile from the base, but the engines had died and he crash landed and carved out in the woods about 300 feet where the F-11 went down. He broke a leg and three vertebrae in his back, but was able to drag himself out of the cockpit while it was on fire for the helicopters to come pick him up. All because he thought at the time was a bird. Well, the Navy got in and did the report. And when they looked, it, it wasn't bird. There was a hole in the nose, a hole in the right engine, in a hole in um, the glass on the cockpit, and guess what it was? 20 millimeter round. Lieutenant Adridge had shot himself down. Here's the drawing the Navy put out that he fired at 13,000 feet. He went into a dive. The plane sped up. The bullets slowed down as they began to drop to the earth. He shot himself down. The Navy said it would be impossible to do this. And Mr. Adder's like, no, I did it. I know it works. It works. He literally shot himself down. Now listen, I tell you that to tell you, that's exactly what we do in our own Christian lives. We're going well, man. We're climbing high. We're doing great things for Jesus. And then all of a sudden, we start lusting for the old life. All of a sudden, we start going back to the old life. All of a sudden, we start envying the old life and being jealous of the old life. All of a sudden, we start longing for the old life. And listen to me, it's the same thing as shooting yourself down. You literally shoot your Christian life out of the sky. And Paul said, I want to give you a reminder. Hey, when you think about going back the old way, can I remind you the old life is a mess. I know you may have had fun for a minute, but remember the whole story because it ended terribly.
Third thing he tries to tell us is this, is that you have to think right in order to do right. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed is a present infinitive, which implies a continuous action over and over and over again. It's not, this renewing of the mind is not an instantaneous thing that happens immediately. It is a process that goes on every day of our lives that the battle for the Christian life is in our minds. The battle for revival starts in our minds. The battle for your soul and your spirit begins in your mind. It is the great battleground of the Christian life. And so here's what I want to tell you. I'll say it, move on. What you put in your mind matters. What you feed your mind matters. What you meditate on matters. What you think on matters. Your mind determines your actions. Your your thinking determines your direction. That whatever I'm thinking about, that's where my mind is going to be. You say, preacher, I'm thinking about this, but I've not done that yet. No, but can I tell you, those impure sinful thoughts are dragging your life that direction every time. Every time. Your, Your thinking determines your actions. And Paul said, here's what you have to do. If you want to be holy in your life, if you want to get rid of the old man, if you want to put on the old, the new man, here's what you have to do. You have to get your mind right. You got to get your thinking right. Because what you're putting in your mind, it does matter. What you listen to, what you read, what you watch, what you hear, it does matter. You say, preacher, I, I, all my friends, are, they're terrible sinners, they're awful, they tell me, but I, I'm, I'm a, no, no, that stuff you're listening to, it affects your life. Your thinking affects your doing every time. You, you won't, um, you probably never heard this. By the way, that is a giant demon-possessed cat there, which I think all cats are. But anyway, that's a giant one. Uh, don't, don't hate me. You, 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 some of you like cats. I get it. I mean, I actually don't get it. But some of you like cats. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not mad at you. Just don't be mad at me because I, 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 I wish no one had left them off the ark. But other than that, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I'm de- I'm, the reason I'm deathly allergic to cats, me and both my daughters, I mean, deathly allergic to cats. I'm talking about EpiPen allergic to cats. Like we, so it's just not our favorite thing uh, on the planet. But hey, this, so this, sorry, that's not even in the sermon. Just forget all that, all right? All you cat lovers, come back, all right? Come back to me, all right? This is a portrait in Iceland because in Iceland they have a Christmas belief that if you're a young kid and you don't get new clothes on Christmas, that this big giant cat will eat you out of your bedroom. Legit. I, I'll never pronounce the name of the cat right, but it's like Joluck Torin or something, which sounds scary all by itself. But here's what they believe. If you don't have new clothes at Christmas, the cat will eat you. And little Iceland kids, don't blame them, terrified of this big giant demon-possessed cat. And, and you're like, well... How, how, how do you get new clothes at Christmas? Here's the kicker. The only way you get new clothes at Christmas is have all your chores done before you go to bed at Christmas Eve. Brilliant parenting right here. Brilliant parenting. And so guess what all Iceland kids have done before they go to bed on Christmas Eve? Not a joke. True story. All their chores are done. Well, why? Because they believe this giant cat is going to, the story goes, this is creepy. The story goes that the cat will crawl up to your bedroom window and look in your bedroom window. And if he doesn't see new clothes, even a pair of socks will do. Even a pair of socks will do. If he doesn't see new clothes, that he will put you in his teeth, drag you through the window and eat you right outside your own house. 
be traumatic, I think, for that to happen on Christmas Eve or any other time probably. But because of that, all the chores, Iceland parents have got it made on Christmas Eve because all the chores get done. You say, well, that's so dumb. I agree with you. But your believing, your thinking determines your acting. Your thinking determines your actions. Why do they get all the chores done? Because their minds are programmed, minus two, not to get eaten on Christmas Eve. My mind thinks the same way. Your mind controls your behavior. So God said, if your mind controls your behavior, renew your mind. Fill it with God. Fill it with the Bible. Fill it with Christian music. Fill it with Christian books. Fill it with Christian conversation. We cannot be holy when our mind is dwelling on sin and filth all the time. Some of you aren't doing it, but you're thinking about it all the time. And can I tell you, thinking about it is always going to lead to doing it. You have to think right in order to do right. And then number four, Paul tells us this, just a command, get holy. Here's what he said. Put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Put on the new self. Here's what he's telling us. You know better than to sin. You know the old life was a mess. You know you've got to renew your mind. Now, what do we do? Put on the new man that's created in righteousness and purity. That's right conduct and character. Character Actually, purity there has to do with your Christian duties. It would mean what you're doing serving the Lord, but it's putting on the new man, putting on righteousness, putting on purity, putting on holiness. So I'm separating myself away from the old man, and now I'm separating myself to the new man. That is holiness and that's all it takes god's spirit does not bring revival to those who are still playing around with the old life whose mind is fixed on sin who's not trying to put on the new life in christ that's what holiness is unless you think it's a suggestion god said leviticus 19 the lord spoke to moses speak to the entire israelite community and tell them be holy because i the lord your god am holy Hebrews 12, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one, no one will see the Lord. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. This story, you see this picture up on the screen. It's not a good picture because it was taken in 1931, so it's not exactly new technology. But in 1931, a psychologist named Winthrop Niles Kellogg and his wife, who I believe was also a psychologist, we're trying an experiment. It was actually a very famous experiment of the day. In the day, it was being watched by all of academia. And they, they brought into their home on June 26, 1931, a brand new addition to their home. And no, it wasn't the baby. That baby's name is Donald. It was a chimpanzee. I think his name was Gua, G-U-A. We'll call him a chimp from here on out. And they were doing an experiment backed by academia it was kind of a nature-nurture experience. They wanted to see if we raised a chimpanzee the same way we raised our son, would the chimp begin to exhibit human characteristics? And so for seven days a week, 12 hours a day, they raised this chimp and Donald side by side. They did tests. I mean, the, you read the story. They did tests, so many tests. Blood pressure, memory, body size, scribbling, reflexes, language recognition, problem solving, attention span, on and on and on and it goes. Every day, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Would the chimp raised as a human start acting like a human? 
They were supposed to raise the chimp and Donald side by side all their lives, all their lives. They were hoping one day, I guess, to send little chimpanzee to college uh, when he got big enough. Nine months after the experiment started, nine months, Mr. Kellogg and his wife unceremoniously, without telling anyone, loaded the chimpanzee up, took him back to Orange Park Primate Colony in Florida and gave him back to the colony and said, reintroduce him into the primate colony as a chimpanzee. Nine months later. The experiment was supposed to go on for years, maybe even decades. And the scientific community was baffled. They were writing journals on this. There were books going to be produced. This was supposed to last for a long time. Why, nine months later, did they take the chimpanzee back? Because the ape had not started acting like a human. Little Donald has started acting like an ape. And they said, hey, we're going to mess our son up. Let's stop this now. Why do you tell us that story? Because that's us in this world. It's real easy for us to act like the world instead of Jesus. Because the world can't act like Jesus, only we can. But we're here, we're among them. It's a lot easier for us to get contaminated. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but purity is not contagious. But uncleanness is. You drop one dirty kid in the midst of five dirty kids or one-on-one, the five dirty kids don't get clean, the one dirty kid gets, one clean kid gets dirty. Because purity is not contagious, but uncleanness is. And so we live in a world that fights our holiness that we have to stop and say, Lord, I want to be holy because you're holy. Separated from the world, separated to God. Separation and sanctification. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Preach this today because we're doing the Lord's Supper and I, it was, I was going to preach it anyway at a certain point, but today was the best day because the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Forever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. The Bible tells us, Paul said to Have a time of self-examination before you even partake of the Lord's Supper. Like, where are you in regards to the holiness God expects in your life? There's some here today that there is a sin in your life that the Holy Spirit of God has been hammering you about. and You can't get away from it, but you've refused to give it up. Today's the day. The Bible says, Whosoever confesses and forsaking shall find mercy. Today's the day to confess and forsake. Maybe it's a habit in your life. Maybe it's a sin of your thought life. Confess and forsake and find mercy. Be holy because I'm holy, says the Lord. So while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to just be quiet for a moment and give you a moment. Let God speak to your heart.
Lord, it's sin that got us into trouble and gets us into trouble. Start with Adam and Eve and it continues through my life and everyone here, sin. It's the devil's great lie, his deceit that living apart from God is the best thing for us when actually it's the worst. So Lord, our prayers today that you would examine us just now. And because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, speak to our hearts, show us where we failed and where we've sinned. And may in this moment, we find forgiveness. Not perfection, just forgiveness. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.